read. Junk. Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Read Junk Podcast. My first guest on the podcast is Roger from Rude Boy George, Bigger Thomas, and Heavens V. We sat down and talked about his bands, the ska scene, a little bit about the World Cup, as well as Roger's new venture, Four City Brewing Company. They're going to be opening up soon in Orange, New Jersey. There's two moments in the episode where my damn phone rings, which I just left in because I thought it would be funny anyway. At the end, we play a fun game of Goldblum Trivia which I'll probably play from time to time with certain guests. I don't know if every guest will be down for it. It was a great time chatting with Roger and having some food down in Jersey City. Hope you enjoy our little talk. Here's episode eight of Rejunk Podcast with Roger from Ruboy George. This is, you're, you're my first guest. Wow, I'm honored. Welcome. This is, where, this is where you hit the button and the applause track goes. Yeah, wait, wait, wait for applause. Wait. I'll insert that later. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about you got a new album out. New album out, new EP. You have several bands. <laughs> several. You got to keep your hand in the game. You have, you have some other side pro- projects that you do. Yeah. You're just a busy guy. Yeah, well, you know, once you get more mature, I won't say older, you get more focused on what you want. So, um, yeah, Rude Boy George is probably the most prevalent thing that's happening. Or So we just put our EP out, um, Love My Way, which um, this guy, I forget who, who he is, did the artwork for. It was kind of... Oh, that was me. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty good, um, which um, we wanted to, you know, we had a song by Pretenders and uh, Psychedelic Furs. We just wanted to be kind of a, a love letter to... Uh, labor of love and it's also marks a kind of a transition in the band because uh, we've uh, moved on from Meg Howe who's amazing and just had a baby girl and she's doing really well congrats and, Meg uh, she's doing great um, and Jenny Whiskey coming in and uh, um, and Jesse and and Rob and Rob well I mean they worked with you guys in Bigger Thomas right right so. Yeah, so, you know, we're bringing, just bringing Rob and Jenny has been, um, and Lucas and, and Robert, Julian, uh, Lucas Lido, just great. Um, they fit right in, and they're taking the band in a direction that we didn't expect, um, but we like where it's going, so. I mean, how was the process of you finding new members, and, and, how, and <laughs> how, how did it come about where, like, oh, half your band's leaving? You guys are, like, <laughs> turning into Destiny Child, like, just the one singers. <laughs> As long as I'm Beyonce, I think <laughs> I'm pretty. Girl. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not Kelly. No offense to Kelly. Um, well, you know, um, you know, Meg. You know, she announced that she was with child and was moving, moving away, and uh, to uh, North Carolina. And oh, uh, she moved. Actually, she, actually, she actually moved, moved, down moved down there. Oh, I didn't so know she that. Moved. Yes. So that was a blow. I was um, wondering, like Brooklyn prices for. <laughs> right, we, 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 we talked about this earlier at lunch. We yes. got some amazing tacos. Can, can we plug? F- yes, no, for, no forks given. No forks given. Food Those truck. Korean, <sighs> Korean barbecue tacos, amazing. But um, she and us, she had to go, which we were excited and happy about. However, you know, a bummer uh, personally because yeah. you know. Um, and then Jackie is getting her um, uh, 
master's in jazz composition, but she's going to continue on to get her doctorate. Oh, nice. So she's going to be caught up doing that. Dr. Jesse, Jackie. Dr. Jackie, right? Uh, Dr. Chasen. Or doctor of jazz. <laughs> doctor of jazz. <laughs> the doctor of jazz. J- that, that's a pretty cool, right? Yeah. Put that on the business card. Put that card, on the yeah. business card. Doctor of jazz. Really? Yeah. Um, what's your prescription? Um, more so jazz. Flute. More jazz. <laughs> no more alto jazz. It's all about tenor. Um, so, uh, and then, uh, Dave and Jesse were doing, uh, Sergeant Scagnetti, which was supposed to be a one-off show thing. But as most things, I, we found this out with Bigger Thomas, you know, when I rejoined the band a few years, like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I was supposed to come on and do one show on, on, on stage. Cause I had left the band for a couple of years and I, and long story short, I rejoined the band. So I think it was one show and I think Scagnetti just got really popular. So, and to be honest, you know, they both have young kids. Yeah. And uh, and the whole band's based in Connecticut, and it's just easy for them. I was wondering, Mike, when's the drive? You know, because you guys were always playing New Jersey and New York, so I'm like, it's gonna take a toll on somebody. I mean, Pam moved here, so yeah. I mean, the early days of the band when we got the last version of the band, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I consider the band on the T-shirt, you know, uh, the the definitive version of the band, like the first version of the band. Yeah. Um, you know, we had to split our rehearsal time from New York City to New Jersey and Connecticut, and we would alternate New York. Be honest, the early days, the guys from Connecticut were driving to New York once a week on a weeknight. Yeah, that's a rehearse. That's, that's rough for two hours, sometimes three hours, and they'd leave New York at like around eleven and drive two hours and back, then, and then go full time job. Go full time job. So we did that for at least three of the four years that we were together with that version of the band. I remember seeing Jesse. He played the very first Scott show that I've ever been to. And or, you know, really, that was it was less. Uh, let's go bowling. Sergeant Scagnetti when it was before the current some of the current members. It was oh like, wow! Okay, it was like a nine or ten piece band. <laughs> yeah, Peter Thomas went through that phase too. We went through like a twelve piece. Yeah, phase. it's just like I don't know why Scott Scott bands do that, but it's it's a good sound, but it doesn't sustain over <laughs> years. They're like okay, we need to pay all these people. Yeah, we could trim some trombone players unless it's. Uh, um, Western Standard Time, which we saw oh, at Supernova, right, yeah. which I don't know how they pulled that off, but that was anyway. That's the exception. We can get to, to that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah Supernova. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, but you know, it's it was it was tough, and these guys sacrificed a lot. We sacrificed, and then Mark and I and all of us would drive up to Connecticut every other week to compensate for them coming down. So it was a lot of driving, a lot of commitment. But I feel like that that's this that's the spirit that got. It was fun doing the music and the shows were just, you know, it was part of it too. So when those guys transitioned, you know, the first thing you do with everything is you ask friends, who do you know, who's available? Mm. And uh, we, we had, I have to say, we had a really insane um, audition. Uh, you know, I met a singer and then I, and she knew of a drummer. She's like, I know a drummer. I'm like, you sure? And then when the drummer sent me his stuff, he was like a death metal drummer, you know? <laughs> Hey, I mean, some people do that, you know. But I was like, same, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But you're, to your point, your reaction was like, hey, you know what? He if wants, you can drum. Yeah. Right? And unfortunately, he came to uh, the rehearsal and he could not drum um, at all. Uh-huh. And to the point where, and, and Mark and I always laugh at this at this story because I'm Mark and I are pretty, when we work with other artists, and we'll get into this later, you know, we, we allow the artists to bring themselves to the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when we work with you, the artwork, um, we have an idea, like we know what it wants to say, but we like to give you the creativity to, you know, come up with a theme. And then fifty it. changes afterwards. <laughs> well, that's part of the process. 
<laughs> it's in the contract. The, o- only Three 50, changes. Only 50? I thought we were at 70. But um, So we allow, we allow people to bring themselves to the project. We don't want it to sound. So all the artists that we, we found the re- to fill, you know, replace the artists who left, we didn't want a Dave sound alike. We didn't want a Jesse sound alike. We didn't want a Nick yeah. sound alike. Jesse we has that. Them. Like I listening to some previous songs, like how he has goes on the guitar solos and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's like got a very a distinctive style. And <laughs> hang on, hold for pause. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> So as we were saying, Jesse has a very distinctive sound, and we wouldn't want anybody to replicate that. Um, same with Dave. Dave, I love Dave's drumming sound. We didn't want another Dave. So, um, so when this drummer came, he was like, you know, I've got my own. So I'm like, yeah, sure, man, rock out. And he really, he could not keep the beat to the point where I had to stop, <laughs> to stop the song, six second song in, stop him playing, and say, you know, I had, I had a quick talk with Mark. I t- st- stepped out the room. We've never done this before. Yeah, rejection. We never done it before. Awkward. Mark. It was very awkward. I'd be like, if I was with you guys, I'd be like, I'm gonna leave the room. Yeah, right. <laughs> and unfortunately, Robert, our current guitarist, he was he was in the room. We left him in the room with the two with these two oh. others, and I felt bad for him. But I talked to Mark, and I'm like, I think I'm just gonna tell him it's not gonna work out. And I, it was one of the toughest thing I've done. However, it the good news is I learned that when you when you're committed to a vision in your art, like don't compromise and if I didn't do that, I w- we wouldn't have found Lucas. We wouldn't have found Jenny. We wouldn't have found Rob. Now, how did you find Lucas? I mean, did he? So Rob, uh, our, so we found Robert Julian. Um, I think it was just it might have just been Craigslist or whatever, and oh, okay. we communicated. And Rob, uh, Robert Julian, he's a serious musician. Um, played in a lot of reggae bands. Went to Berkeley, which is how he knows Lucas because oh, okay. they both went to the Berkeley School of Music. Um, and very connected to the uh, Latino ska scene, reggae scene, like no, like very real, like, great guy. We found randomly, so he knew Lucas. He was like, after that rehearsal, he was like, I, you know, he literally said, "I'll put my life on this guy. This guy can play." We're okay, like, okay. <clears throat> so he came in, and they were gonna p- do a prank on us. He was gonna have Lucas not play, <laughs> play, <laughs> play terribly, <laughs> and they were just kidding. But I'm like, glad you did do that because I think I would have flipped out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jenny, so I'm going to a Hub City show. Uh, I think it's in Clifton. I saw Hub City open up or headline a show. Um, you know, they got the new album out. What did uh, they play? Hit, like Crossroads or something? Was not that? Crossroads. It was another smaller place in Clifton, I think. I'm sorry, Hub City guys. I, I forget where it was. I don't know either. <laughs> um, but um, Steady Sound System spun. Anyway. I'm at the show and uh, Jenny does their song, um, Johnny Date Rape. She sings mm-hmm. that song. And as she's singing it, every woman in the club, every woman in the club is singing along with her. <laughs> every single woman. <laughs> and she's up there just killing it. I'm like, and then I text Mark. He's like, I got a crazy idea. What about Jenny Whiskey to be in the band? And he was like, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, so we sent her a text. Or I think I called her and I just said, you know, I, and I'm just so you know, I'm on going on the record. I'm a, I'm a Jenny whiskey disciple. Like she is, she sounds great on middle of the road. It sounds like Chrissy Hine, you know, very parallel to her yeah. vocals. Yeah. Her vocals. She sings well. She plays really well. She's professional. She dances. Um, and, 
she's only scratching like she's only at 10% of her talent. So, um, so getting her in here when we had our first rehearsal, she knew all the songs. She knew the way we sang them. She knew the harmonies, her and Rob. And then of course you don't get Jenny without Rob. Yeah. Um, so Rob was just a given and we're great to have Rob because Rob brings the, he was in bigger Thomas with you guys, right? Bigger Thomas, Rob, uh, over a decade, at least, 15 years. So the first time I saw you guys was you guys opened for the Pilfers at Knitting Factory. I think yeah. it was like 2005. Yeah. Rob was already with Chris us. Chris Malone was playing trombone. And yeah. Rob was with us like two or three years at that point. Okay. Um, so it's been a while. And what Rob brings, we, you know, we always, Rob and Mark and I have a great relationship, but it's like brothers because Rob is, he brings so much musical discipline. You know, Mark and I are like, sounds great. doesn't have to be played perfectly, but Rob is like, you know, on this measure, you know, there's a minor fourth there that was slightly off. And I'm just like, whatever, man, you just fix it. I'll be over <laughs> here drinking beer. But, um, but Rob brings not only that, but he sings, he plays sax and he plays guitar. That's, yeah, that's, so, a, hat, that's a hat trick. That's of a hat good, trick. Yeah. So between him and Jenny, we, it, we really have like six more members of the band with two people. So were they in the process of when you guys were recording or did you record with some of the older members or like how was a mix? So the way we work is we record the rhythm tracks first, um, uh, bass, drum, guitar, keys, and all sax overdubs in one session. So we, we used to record all the songs in one day. We'd start in the morning at eight, eight in the morning, do all the instruments. And then Meg and I would squeeze in our vocals the last two hours of the session. That's, that was, uh, take one, take one EP, and that was half of Confessions was like that. And then we're like, this is stupid because by the time we sing the, the vocals at the end of the day, we're tired. People want to go home. We're rushing. We're all kind of on the clock because, you know, time, you know, time is money. So now we, we sing. So we record all the, vo- all the instruments in one session, then do all the vocals in another. So we did all of the, the instruments at um, Firehouse 12 in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, and worked with Greg DeCrosta there and just awesome. And then there was a gap in time where we had to do the vocals. And that, that was right around the time Meg was telling us she had to move and go. Mm, okay. So I, we had a session booked for Meg to come in and do the vocals. But unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but, you know, she was pretty pregnant and yeah. couldn't fly. You know, not her fault. Just that's the way it works. So we're like, you know, don't worry about it. Um, so Jenny was able to come in. And basically, you know, do Meg's parts and just kind of made her her own. And she completely turned middle of the road. Yeah, she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the way around. That was my favorite track on the EP. Yeah, she... So, I mean, how do you guys come up with the process of trying to come up with songs? You're like, okay, we got four songs we need to do for this. (laughs) It's, you know, I'm laughing because honestly, we still haven't figured that... And pick it out? We we still haven't come up with a with a, an efficient way. The I, the answer is there's, random emails. And there's several songs that I want you guys to play, and you haven't played them yet. <laughs> I know. Comset angels, uh, men without hats. I know. I, <laughs> you should see the spread. We have a spreadsheet. We've got like multiple emails, and then people. We don't have a system. Is the short answer. I think well, it boils it, down to we pick out some songs, we say yes, and then we record them. Like I never even heard the one song that you guys the second track only 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 you yeah, yeah I never really, I never heard that one yeah that was a Yaz tune that was like a obscure I don't know if it was obscure or just maybe I didn't ever I never listened to it you know was, we're new wave nerds so Yaz is fairly popular I think a lot of you know British people would know that tune is is it is it slow the original yeah that's maybe why I didn't like 
Yeah, like yeah, 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 it's a slow song, and <laughs> but you guys, yeah, it's a good tempo for you. It's what a good you guys. tempo. I love singing it with Jenny, and that was kind of like our first like duet. I'm a sucker for duets. If you, but then, if, but then Meg was in the in the video. Yeah, because we recorded that, <laughs> so we recorded Meg in the video, and then we're gonna go in and do the vocals, but then the vocals never happened. Then we had all this footage, and then we kind of made it a tribute to Meg. You know, like, yeah, you know. And uh, and I, I think that's kind of I hope that's the idea we got across. Yeah. Um. So um. So yeah. So um. But yeah, we don't have a good system. But we're 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 gonna rehearse for the summer. We have a show, in um, at Wilkesbury, um, in uh, September fifteenth. It's gonna be uh, Big D, Pie Tasters, Hub City, and us. That's a great show. Yeah. Um, Rob Alpic just um, set that up and that's going to be amazing I used to go to shows out there because I used to well when I used to live in Middletown New York I always go over from 84 that way or I also went to school out that way too yeah. I went to Scranton, outside of Scranton I went to college there there used to be a, in Music PA there used to be a, cold, a club called CC's and it was like a hardcore club Oh really? And now it's like a car. That's where I saw toasters with maybe five people in the audience. It was really? Like a lot of ska shows. Some of I mean toasters did well. It was like certain bands like Bucko Nine. Like they, like no one would show up. And then at other times like hardcore, it would be filled, you know, to the brim, and people just fights and just eventually that club closed down. Closed down. But it's a good good scene in that area. Look, it's a lot of it has to do with Rob. You know, Rob Alpic really books quality acts consistently was he the one that did cafe metropolis uh, i don't I, I, sh- I should have done my homework on that I, yeah maybe I, that was i used to see i saw a gaslight anthem there I saw, rob if you have and i don't know i'm sorry that you didn't do that if you did that's awesome if you didn't well, we'll, we'll same, same, same area same <laughs> area but um all the shows he books are they're quality shows um he's a great guy to work with you know yeah they just had sergeant scagnetti play there with Toasters, yeah, toasters, yeah, toasters I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, we finally got to talking at Supernova, and you know, I mean, we've met all you know over the years at shows, but we had we finally had a proper chat at Supernova, and um, he was like, you know, I want to add you guys to this bill, and he's just very easy to work with, and he does what I, I hate to say it, he does what promoters used to do. He actually promotes shows, you know, he he comes up with flyers and promotes it and sets up, you know, does ads and. You yeah. know, um, I you know, and unfortunately, we don't see that a lot nowadays. So I I think that's why that scene is still so you know so successful because he gets a steady stream of good bands. Well, I mean Heath Heath Miller of XSDB, um, he he does the White Eagle Hall now in Jersey City, oh, right. and he does the one up in TNA. He's doing a great job. But uh, he used to work at Webster Hall, so I mean he's he's I actually went to a show that he put on when he was 17 years old. Wow. And it was Tropic Murphy's at a, in, in Tianek. Wow. And it was like 500 people and what it should have been 80 people in the Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. So, I mean, he's definitely one of the people that's not in the big Live Nation, you know, Umbrella or Bowery Presents, you know, those companies. But yeah, that's like the rest of the people. It's like it's just, these monopolies is taking over. It's like no one plays Manhattan anymore. Yeah. But you know what? I, I mean, I used to blame the... Um you know, I, I don't know if it, I think it's you know the chicken or egg, chicken or an egg situation. I used to blame, you know, Live Nation and for creating this, but they didn't create this. It's the, really the New York real estate market created this. I mean, when when you have, you know, there's no reason in the I world. Blame Julie, I blame uh, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, I mean, he closed down so many clubs. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, uh, of <laughs> can, you can't curse on these things, can you? Yeah, fuck okay. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um. You know, uh, for me, 
if we were living in any other country but America, I love living in America, by the way. So please don't don't misunderstand me. But if we What's were wrong Europe with America, <laughs> right, America. But uh, no way would you close down a CBGB's like club in Paris or in we got the one. UK. It's, a, it's in a Newark airport now, <laughs> <laughs> right next to the duty free. Um, but the fact that that could happen in New yeah. York, it's real estate. So now. Local, there's no local scene, there's no local artist, so now you have to have a live nation and a Bowery Presents run it because they are the only promoters that, that, that have, can afford the rent. That's yeah. it, yeah, you know, and it's sad, but and I've worked with both organizations, you know. Uh, How do you Blue, explain the, the ticket fees then? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a big organization, yeah. right? And it's and it, it's also part of the bands, too. I mean, what they want, and I and I don't know the like. For me, I'm still, you know, the old man of, you know, real estate is ruined in New York because when you don't have an, an indigenous, this is the first time in New York history that I know of that, that, that there's no indigenous Manhattan, New York scene. There's always been a group of musicians who've lived Brooklyn. in New York. Now yeah. it's Brooklyn, which yeah. no offense to Brooklyn, but New York has always been the center and Brooklyn so, has been an outpost. For us, it's a pain in the ass. We're from New Jersey. You know, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... But for me, that's the reason why there's Live Nation. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I could see that. Which is disappointing, but, you know, I, I know a few people at Live Nation, um, you know, yeah, Adam, good guys. Yeah, Adam, Adam yeah, yeah. right? Adam's a great guy. Um, Adam. Yeah. Belcher? Oh, you're talking Bachelor, about. Bachelor, yes. Yeah. Adam Bachelor. Sorry, Bachelor, yeah. I had a yeah. brain fart. Sorry, Adam. But Adam's a great guy. I mean, Bronx Underground, definitely ear to the ground, but, you know, but at the same time, well, you know, he was in a ska band, so he knows. Right. You know. So, and and he actually was instrumental in getting us on to open for Say Ferris at the Gramercy, yeah. which is the show that took us to, they gave us. And then Selector, right? Or the yeah. Selector picked you guys? Selector, uh, I think we just begged Pauline and their <laughs> management for like four months, and they finally relented. Okay, shut up. Well, okay, you guys can go. Okay. <laughs> Pauline's amazing, but you know, we just had to just, we just begged and begged and they said yes and we were so happy about that but Adam got us on the Gramercy um, you know for uh, Safe Ferris yeah he does a good job and and that show just propelled us got us to all these other rooms so there are people within that organization that still do great things but they also have a job to do you know they get paid Mm -hmm. to you know national acts good paying shows good you know good venues good you know good draws etc so I don't Um. know yeah, so you mentioned Supernova. So, I mean, how was that experience that you guys play with it? I mean, it, you played on it. Yeah, Supernova was amazing. Um, didn't go last year. Um, unfortunately, we really wanted to, and I think it was a scheduled thing with band members, but I made it a point to go this year. Amazing. I, you know, for the first time I actually saw, you know, um, this story makes sense. Uh, I went to Reggae on the Boardwalk last summer. Um, um Carter Van Pelt does his thing and DJs and um, outside on the boardwalk, cool vibes. Where was that now? Um, right at Coney Island. Oh, Coney Island. Coney okay. Island, the boardwalk, dope. Uh, right next to the Ford Amphitheater. That same day, that was an afternoon thing. That same day, I see people streaming towards the, the Ford Amphitheater. And I see black fans and punk t-shirts. I'm like, and it's it was that Dropkick Murphys... Um, was it Flogging Mall? No. Flogging Mall. Well, no, they, they just what, played together. No. What was that? Rancid. It was that Rancid, Rancid show. It was yes. Rancid. Last year, yeah. I wanted to go. <laughs> right? But my point is, I saw the people going, and they were all people who used to see these bands when they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Now they're married with kids. They're still dressing themselves, but 
I saw a huge market selling out that thing, uh, selling out that place. I saw that same market. I saw that same crowd at Supernova. I saw like rude boys who are st- and rude girls who are still committed to in their thirties and forties with kids. And, right. Yeah. And for me, it was inspirational because people were still their authentic selves. Like I yeah. didn't feel like it was people bring their kids and stuff to to the festival. I think there were no? a couple of people brought kids, but um, Supernova was encouraging on on that level. And then secondly, I got a chance to see some amazing yeah. inspirational music. Um, Western Standard Time. I wish it wasn't so far away. Plus, it was like I had on vacation usually that time when they had it the last two years. So it's like, ugh. Yeah, Dorian Schaefer. I mean, just amazing seeing her sing. Um, and just all the band. I mean, so many great, you know, Hub City was always great. Um, there was some rain or something, right? A little it's bit a, of rain. So did anyone delays. get cut, like, lose their no. time or anything? And that's the great thing. I mean, uh, Tim, Tim Receiver. Uh, Tim in April, Tim was going around. It's like, you know, we had an hour long rain delay and, and he was like, no, play your set. So we were like, really? And everybody played their set. Sammy K. Um, it was awesome. So it looked like, like a fun vibe, but they, I mean, they have trouble selling tickets though. So I mean, it's like, how is the crowd? Like, you know, it's, it's a great, the place they had it at, uh, I think it's 1791 Brewing. Man, I, I should have wrote this stuff down. That's a, I mean, that's why sometimes I do crib sheets when I'm <laughs> yeah. doing a podcast. Yeah, I should have wrote this <laughs> stuff down. But great brewery to have it done, great location. But it was a drive. Um, but it has to be a drive because if it was any place else, the ticket prices would have to be yeah. a lot higher. Um, I'm actually in talks with um, uh, a few friends in the, you know, who work in the industry to see if we can do something similar up here in the Northeast. I've been trying to get Matt Flood to do uh, Scott Against Racism. I'm like, it's 10 year anniversary. You're I'm putting like, Matt on the spot. Okay. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> what the fuck, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Well, the issue. With, oh, he knows. He knows I annoy him. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked about this, you know, um, with uh, Eric Smith, who. As uh, a CEO of Easy Star, and one of his first things is that you know, you know sponsorship and, yeah. and financing. I mean, unfortunately, when you put on a festival, the first question is where's the money coming from? Who's going to sponsor that? And putting on a festival like Tim and April Receiver have found out, you know, it's not cheap to get guarantees and and if you want a good bands that are from all over the place, you got to fly them fly in, in, you got to fly their gear in, you got to put them up, yep, you gotta, and, and feed we, them. And then, when we ate, you know, we ate. We didn't. I didn't reach into my pocket for food outside of what I really wanted, snacks in between. But while we were at Supernova, I didn't reach in my pocket not once for food at all because Tim and April had a full spread That's as nice. much as we could eat. So, And it was great. As an artist, you're like, this is awesome, but you also know that costs money. So the first question is, where does it finance? And, yeah. And that's for me, that's where I feel like you got to reach out to like a Fred Perry or a, a Vans or... Um, Sam Ash, yeah, or somebody, like somebody, somebody with money. <laughs> Verizon, you know, I don't know how, I don't know Red Bulls, you know, if they'd be interested in getting involved in a in a music. Where would you, where would you think about having it? Somewhere in Jersey, Liberty State Park, Liberty, right over there, Li- right? Liberty State. They did have one music festival there. I remember it was like a, it was before I moved here though. Now Liberty State might sound might sounds expensive, so like I don't know how yeah, cheap probably, Liberty State it would probably would be. be. So it might have to. But be, they do have smaller sometimes events there so i mean it's it's probably expensive though but but again this is what this these are why these are the reasons why why flood doesn't want to do well, <laughs> this yeah. guy gets racism because you know he did apples you know first year of apples was amazing yeah 
And then the second year, I don't know what happened. It's just no one bought tickets. And then there's this, they still kind of did the shows, which those shows were great, whatever the leftovers of it. But right. not and, all the bands played. And, and and who knows why? You know, and, and that's, I think, one of the frustrations of these you know, the ska crowd. And this is where like I the guess scene, the scenes there, like you go to a slackers club, they sell it out. Pie tasters, you know, and I think the toasters played at Brooklyn. Yeah. A couple I, days ago. And then I didn't go to it. Of course, Cooley sings with, right. I'm like, I'm like, can you tell me when you show up to the toasters concert so I can bring my camera? I mean, granted, I'm like, I, it was either that or English beat that, that those, it was like kind of torn between those yeah, yeah. two shows. I'm like, I didn't go to either. <laughs> Just lazy, I guess. Lazy. Yeah, the the scene is there, and I and, and again, this is where the frustration is. Where, um, where is the crowd? It, you know, Apple Stop for the second year should have been a slam dunk, and it wasn't. And people are scratching their heads. You know, first year Supernova was amazing. Yeah. From what I, I we weren't there, but I heard it was amazing. Everybody assumed second year would be even more amazing, and I thought second year, and again, I was in it last year's. It was great, but you know, apparently, you know, it wasn't as financially great or as Lost as much because they had to do a, a, a GoFundMe. They did that. Well, they did that this year, and it, you know, right? They got money back, so it was good. So, which, which people, is great. People do respect them, and you know, appreciate what they're doing. So, hopefully, they'll keep. I mean, it looks like they're taking this year. They're going to take year. a year off. Yeah. I mean, their oldest is going to college, like oh, mine. Yeah. So, you know, you gotta. You know, sometimes you're gonna be like, okay, you yeah, know, family first. Yep. Uh, but we're hoping in two years' time. Um, and in talking to people I'm talking to you about, hopefully trying to get something going on in somewhere in this area. I, I feel, feel like, like this area would be better than Virginia because I mean, like, because where's an airport that's the closest to theirs? I guess well, yeah, DC, I suppose. But but again, it's it's all pricing. Like yeah. the hotels that we were, I mean, they were pr- the the hospitality, the Fredericksburg hospitality hospitality place was inexpensive per night. Um, you're not gonna I, I don't know if you're, if you're gonna get less than a hundred bucks. A night for rooms around yeah. New York. I mean, Asbury Park maybe, but that's even that's even too much because that's another Live Nation venue. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's got to be in my mind. I'd like to see a really cool park somewhere. I'm partial to Essex County, so uh, with the with my brewery opening up that area, I want to see something in the Oranges mm-hmm. or Newark. I feel like there's probably something there that's outdoors and not that expensive. I, I feel like all these. Desirable cities, Jersey City, Hoboken, are going to be expensive. I think it's time to bring something to a city that that needs some exposure, and we could work together. Like, look, if we do something in, like a ska festival in Newark, I mean, that would be pretty cool. Have Have they ever had music venues in Newark? Yeah, there's. I mean, NJ Pack is. Well, I mean, the, outside of that, yeah, the big one, but. No, like club. Vi- there used to be the the pipeline many years ago in the eighties. There was a club mm. called the Pipeline in New York. That sounds familiar. I didn't go to it, but it um, sounds, sounds familiar. We I only know it because we bigger times opened up for uh, the Boss Tones down oh, there at the okay. Pipeline. Many, 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 like ninety or something like that. But you know, Newark is more of a you know dance music thing. Like yeah, there was Club Zanzibar for me, which is not extinct, but it was more of a house music thing. But not live venues. So maybe an outdoor or maybe an indoor thing at NJ Pack. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there are cities out there that would take something like this on. Yeah. So that's my dream. I'm putting it out there. Well, I'll give you all my contact info after um yeah. you know the interview. <laughs> if you're listening, whoever's listening. What else we got? Um, um so oh you so you guys are going to UK. Yes. So specialized uh every year we've we did one with Bigger Thomas. Um, and that was Soul Salvation, 
uh, they do every year they pick a new artist and um, they invite bands um, to do a version a cover of that song or whatever artist it is every year and all the money goes to cancer research and they're great guys Paul Willow um, all those guys that specialize amazing so uh, they invited us last year to their big their big one that they do every November and we can never go and this year we just bit the bullet we're like you know, they're like, you know, we'll get you over here. But we have your lodging, and you're, they're even going to provide us with instruments. Oh, Just nice. get yourselves over. So, because like, isn't it a lot of, you know, far, you know, getting permission to perform over there, kind of thing? So, so it's like under the radar. Yeah. So they're working on the work, work the work permits. So we'll, so that's going to be on the level. But, um, but bringing instruments is, you know, a pain. Um, yeah. And, and expensive. And so they'll get them lost in their flight, right. probably. So they're going to provide that. So we're going to go there for a long weekend in November. Um, some of our members are going to go like a week earlier and spend some time with their families and then meet us there. Rob and Jenny are actually going to take time from their honeymoon to <laughs> play this gig because they, they have to be there at the same time. So the, the stars aligned on that one. So well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I wish I could go because I, I, every time I usually go to England is usually around November, December. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, Go travel, uh, go see the the Levelers play in London usually. So, oh, right. So I go see them, and then sometimes just make a whole vacation out of that. <laughs> right. I did that like three or four times, and it's it's fun. It's like I love London in the Christmas Christmas time. It's oh. just, I actually think it be, it's better than New York City. Completely. They, they just need a big tree. You, you know, the, you know the reason why. There's two two reasons why UK Christmas rule over American Christmas is one, they don't have Thanksgiving, so right around Thanksgiving time they start the Christmas hype. Yeah. Two, when Christmas week, like the re- between, like the lead up to Christmas and the, the the break between Christmas and New Year's, like almost everything is closed. Like especially on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, like you can't even get transit. Wow, everything's closed. And and the third thing is, since they don't have Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve or Christmas um, Christmas Day is a huge. Um, wait, is it Christmas Eve we have the dinner? No, yeah. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day you have a big turkey dinner, like a big meal with the family. Mm. And then Boxing Day, the next day you have the leftovers. And then everything's back in full flow. Like there's football on, you can travel again, and that's more of a... Oh, so no. Oh, so no. <laughs> Never say those words again. <laughs> Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> Harry Kane, do we, do we have to talk about World Cup yet or are we still talking about music? We can talk, we can talk World Cup. Yeah. Um, Harry Kane. We'll just say Harry Kane. He's one of our own. Man, they annihilated uh, Panama. <laughs> England and looks so good. It's like fig- figures the two guys that are on the Red Bulls. <laughs> they don't get like, <laughs> like, I feel so bad for him. Like, oh, sorry. I guess they'll be back on the team soon enough. Look, the, every team that played this World Cup has nothing to be embarrassed of. This is probably one of the best World Cups I've ever seen. Um, all the teams are fairly well, even. Except the United States soccer. Well. <laughs> Well, which is why Panama was in there. Yeah, it was kind of insult to injury when you know Panama got smacked, smacked around. I think Tyler Twelman said it. He, I watched him on uh, Get Up that morning show, which it, I try not to watch it, but it's really funny. And Tyler was just like, uh, like, oh yeah, blah blah. blah. You know what showed me about that game was like, you know, we beat Panama four <laughs> nil, and it, and England beats them like six one. Like we should, and he's right. Um, but, all my all my British friends are like, it's gonna be eleven nothing. I'm like, I'm like, come on, relax. I'm like the second half. I'm like seven, and, I said, and I'm like, oh, it was six one. So I'm like, oh, yeah, they said seven goals. So I was sort of seven right. goals, but you know, um, every look, 
the internet and uh, teams, and you have good players playing in Europe now from all over the world. The level of play has risen. So anybody can beat anybody, depending on the day. You know, when Mexico beat Germany, game, you know, second game of the tournament, that kind of set the standard. Like, there's no. I think it gave the other weak teams a bit of confidence. Yeah. So when they when they faced against like the bigger teams, a lot of scalps were taken this year. Argentina, you know. We'll say. I think so. they're playing right now. I think, or going to be playing. They're going to be playing in about but an the, hour. The, but it doesn't matter. But it, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter for them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. Um, all right, getting back to your stuff. Um, you guys just celebrated thirty years of Bigger Thomas. I mean, yes. How is that? You know, it's it's you know what it's uh, Mark and I talk about this a lot, and I I'm bitter. I have bittersweet feelings about Bigger Thomas. <laughs> So the sweet part is 30 years and all the shows and all the songs and all the people, everything about Bigger Thomas has been 99.9% positive. Even the, the bad stuff that happens, 99.9% mm-hmm. um, positive. I wouldn't take it back at all. Um, the, the, the bitter part I have is that, um, you know, I always felt like, you know, I just saw Bigger Thomas, you know, with more uh, prominence than than it's than it's had. You know, the legacy I thought would be, you know, in my opinion, a bit more elevated. So yeah. that's that's one part. Um, and I don't know where that is. And I, you know, and, and you know, it's it's embarrassing to say that stuff sometimes matters to me, but it does. Um, and the second part is, you know, well, you've been working on it for thirty, you know, yeah, so. thirty years. It's, it's you know, and sometimes I was I, ten, right. <laughs> I was 12, so. <laughs> um, and sometimes just like, really? This, this is it? And then the second part is, you know, for some reason after, the, you know, the, the, the passing of Roy Radix, you know, all the songs that we have with him in it, I can't help but think about him in the song. Yeah. And it makes me sad. Yeah. Like, I wish I, wa- I, wish I was over it. I mean, how long, I mean, do you listen to him now and still get a little bit weepy? Yeah, still? I, I, mean, I can still like get weepy. It's the same thing when my passing my dad. It's like... I, there's certain songs I just can't like Peter Gabriel. Some songs I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't, can't do it. Yeah, I yeah. just, I just don't want to. I, 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 that's that's another thing. Like every song I need, every song I sing that's got his part. I hear his part. I hear him singing his part, and that part always gets me down because I'm still unresolved about that. How long was he in the band for? <sighs> Man, on and off like ten years. Yeah, I mean it was just you know typical Radix fashion. He's like an alley cat, you know. He'll show up. And then he'll disappear, and they'll show up, and he'll disappear, and they'll work on other stuff to show up. But you're always glad to see him. Um, but um, that's the second thing. And the third thing is, you know, um, I, I read about bands who, like, reform, and they play, and they're not as good as they were at the height. And I don't want to be that, you know, and that's, I tell Mark, uh, I say this Mark all the time, it's a very insecure thing, but I don't want anybody to see Bigger Thomas and be like, ah. Uh, maybe they should have just hung it up. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather finish, like, somewhat, like. I mean, well, with you guys, you kind of, you play play a show and then kind of go away and come back. And it's kind of like you guys aren't broken up, broken up. It's no. Kind of just like a hiatus, I guess. Yeah, suppose. we never say no. But I'm afraid of playing that show that people start to think about. Ah, I like them better when. Yeah, you're still jumping around. I'm still getting the shots of you flying yeah, in there. I know. But that those are my three, those are my bitter things to my suite. So. Uh, the legacy is great. Um, you know, I think it will go on record. I think we were the first ska band in New Jersey. So, I remember hearing you guys. It was back when I started getting into ska, like '96, and it was WVKR and Faster College 
college radio and it was uh jesse from skavuvi and the epitones i guess oh, right. he hosted a show okay so i used to like get my cassette tape songs and ska in my pocket was one of them <laughs> i still have a tape it's yeah like, ska it's, my pocket man that's i mean that was just i think it was a third rehearsal we just met and our old guitarist steve parker had the riff and he was he had the lit he had the he had the chorus guy in my pocket and then i just wrote some lyrics it took me five minutes to write and that song, man, I just remember performing that song and the reaction that we saw from people playing it. We just were like, this is going to be like, you, you could just see like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have so much fun. Um, but yeah, 30 years. Uh, Do you plan on doing any more shows or just the one that you had in New Brunswick was because I mean, was it, did anyone show up? Like, Yeah, was, people showed up. It, it was great. And Hub City, they're great. And every, look, it was fun. I actually had a good time at that show. But um, I quite honestly, there you know, there's a police documentary when they play like Rio or someplace and they, they kind of show the rehearsals. It's fairly new. And uh, and I see them when they're rehearsing and, and, Stu- and Sting or Stewart's talking about, we don't want to play the songs the same way. You know, so they're playing Roxanne, they're adding different parts that people may or may not like. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter because we've been playing these songs for decades and we're going to add it this way. So... Um, with Bigger Thomas, like I feel like I want to get to the point where we're doing songs in a different way, because quite honestly, Rude Boy George, Heavensby, those projects ex- just excite me more. I'm more into those projects now because the boundaries are like limitless with those, and I feel Bigger Thomas is like a finite thing, and you, people expect a certain thing. Mother, <laughs> hold for pause. I'm gonna disconnect hold for pause. Phone. I'm thinking you can get the wall, throw out the window. A dramatic effect. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> so I, I kind of see. I kind of feel like with Bigger Thomas, it's a very uh, people expect a certain thing for Bigger Thomas, and I'd want to deliver on that on some level, and it's a kind of finite thing. So. Okay. Um, oh, so how did you get into ska? <laughs> It's uh, through a friend. You hear it on the street, or like word of mouth, or like you know, divine intervention. I have to say it's divine intervention because I honestly, uh, you know, uh, it's a story I've told before to friends who know me. It's just I'm in the suburbs. I'm into the police. I, I I'm buying all the police stuff. I go to a Corvettes or two guys somewhere, something like that, either East Rutherford, New Jersey, or West Orange, New Jersey. Depends. And I'm flipping through the bargain bin, $5 bargain bin. And I'm flipping through, I'm flipping through, and they see the special's first album. And this is after, this is like 80, um, 80 I, I'm like the 83, I'm a junior in high school. So it, after the whole, you know, I don't think the specials are even together at that point. I was five. Yeah. <laughs> Were you really? I was nine. <laughs> no, I remember 83. 83, because I think that's when Return of the Jedi came out. That's the first movie I saw. So. Okay, so somewhere around that time. Yeah. And I'm just, it's a five, it's a five hour band. And I'm looking at the album cover and I see black and white uh, band members, which you didn't see a lot in the States back then, believe yeah. it or not. Um, they're all wearing these cool outfits. They're looking up. I see this, you know, black and white checkerboard. It just looked like a cool album cover. I turn it over. I see that they're from England. I see them looking up and I see like this two tone. I'm just, I'm like, I didn't know it was two tone, but I just see this black. It just looked interesting. 
So I'm like, you know what? I got five bucks. I'll buy it. Get home. I put it up my I think my turntable. First song, message to you, Rudy. I was like, eh, it's kind of like weird reggae, whatever. I, uh, next track, do the dog. Eh, a bit more upbeat, you know. And then I think the third song is like up to you. And now I'm like, okay. And I listened to that album for, you know, six, seven months every day. Um, and that was it. I didn't know that there was ska beyond. I didn't even know what it was ska. I, I yeah. It was just the specials music, or- music. It wasn't until I got to college where people were like, "Oh, have you heard of the specials?" I'm like, "Yeah, I love that. That's ska." I'm like, "Oh, really? It's ska." And, and then I went to Cheap Thrills in New Brunswick and bought "I Just Can't Stop It" by the English Beat, and and then I said, then I found out about being a rude boy, and then I I found a magazine. I ordered some. Ska shirts. I got some black jeans. I went to New York, got some creepers. I remember listening to Madness and like because it was on MTV. I mean, I was total '80s MTV and that type of kid. So I know their their music video for our our house. And then I think I remember seeing English Beat, like the music video for yeah, that yeah. too. But I didn't for the specials. I didn't really get into them until when I got into Ska in the late '90s. Yeah, yeah so it's it, it was just you know I I, I knew I missed it, but. I felt like my whole thing was I just wanted to represent. I understood the two tone thing, like I yeah. did a little research and they were into a couple of magazines and you know I, in New York you got the foreign magazines and they were in that stuff and two tone was a movement and I just all I wanted to do was just be a, a U.S. representative of. So how was the scene back then? So I mean, it's probably been there was really crazy fights and just. Well, that's the thing. I was in New Jersey, so I discovered. I became a rude boy in New Brunswick, New Jersey at Rutgers. <laughs> so I was like, it was me and this other guy in my band, this guy named Kenny. We were the only black rude boys that I knew of at Rutgers. I didn't see anybody else dressed like me who was black. Um, I didn't really see any rude boys in general until the toasters came mm. um, to play, I think my senior year of school. This was, uh, no, my sophomore year of school of college. I think this was 87 didn't know there was any U.S. ska. Had no idea. There was all U.K. stuff. So I bought. So obviously, I so after I bought, I just can't stop it. I bought too much pressure. Um, I bought um, the Madness first album. I just went down the rabbit hole of buying all the U.K. ska. Yeah, I mean, it's how you you find to you know back in that day instead of the internet, you know, because there wasn't any. But there'd right. be like the liner notes or just word of front, you know, word of mouth. Or when I got to college, you know, Cheap Thrills, the record store, or the record stores, yeah, and. I'd be like, Scott, they're like, oh yeah, right over there. You know, I'm like, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take Fishbone, I'll take all of it. Um, and then the toaster just opened my eyes to the whole New York scene. I didn't know there was a New York scene. So I saw them, they were amazing. And then they're like, we're playing CBGBs in a couple of weeks. And I saw them at CBGBs with Kenny, this guy, Miggy. It was, oh my gosh, the, it was... You saw the light. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like that's like that was like my first Scott show. I'm like, what the hell is everyone dancing like? like it's like everyone's just bopping in unison, and then like. And for me, New York, it's it's CBGBs. It's the Bowery. The Bowery in the '80s was dirty, um, and grimy. CBGBs was 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 terrible looking from the outside. I've actually never been to CBGBs. Man, it was not a nice looking place. It wasn't inviting. And I was I was all about the wetlands. Yeah, so. we're yeah, man. Rest in peace. Right? Yeah. Now it's a condo. I pass it around every day on the way to work. I'm like that used to be anyway. <laughs> um, but I all out front 
scooters, creepers. Like these rude boys were and girls were like dressed to the. It was just black, white, Latino, Asian. You know, East East Asian, like Indian, like yeah, all color of rude boy and girl. You go inside, it's packed. People are just and punk kids or something like that. Punks, Rosters. dreads. Hippies, maybe sometimes. <laughs> Not back back then. Toasters, the height of the toasters, in my view, it was like it was kind of like all rude. It was primarily primarily rude boy. Some punks and skins thrown in, definitely punks and skins, but primarily people were dressed to kill. Hats, dudes wore blazers, sharp ties, and the scooter game and the creeper game. It was awesome. I was like, I'm all over this. Yeah, you know, I got to be part of this. <laughs> and then I saw the boilers open up for. Toasters and it was just insane. Lionel and Sean up front with Bucket and just insane. Nice, insane. Uh, and then a, a six months later, I saw Fishbone play at Sarah Lawrence College uh, with Miggy again. And yeah, Fishbone, like my older brother, listened to that. So like, but I didn't know they were ska. Like, because it was the one album where it was like. They had like a few short songs and then fast ones. It sounded more punk metal to me, but it was like I don't know what album. It wasn't the it wasn't the ska stuff, but I, so I would know that album. So I'm yeah. like, oh, there's play ska. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> well, the first album was ska heavy. Yeah, uh, you know, had line ass bitch on it, which was you know their signature song at the time. But um, seeing them live for me, you know, there weren't a lot of there wasn't a whole lot. There was a lot of diversity in the New York ska scene. But um, when I went to Scott shows outside of New York, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity. I was usually the only black guy. So yeah. seeing Fishbone, two things happened for me. First was just, um, I was definitely the only black guy there. But for for the first time ever, it was in a good way because everybody thought I was part of the band. <laughs> so the like, first few oh, free drinks, okay. Yeah. So the first few girls like, you part of Fishbone? I'm like, no. By the, like, the fifth person who asked me, I'm like, yeah, oh, yes, I am. What instrument do you play? The triangle? Yeah. Um, they're roadie. They're like, really? Yeah, and I remember having a great time that telling people I was the Fishbone Roadie, although I had nothing to do with them. <laughs> um, so let's let's close this up a little bit and get down to the end. Um, so what so what do you do when you're not in the ska band? You, oh my gosh, <laughs> I mean, what's so you're full time? I think going to have easy questions. <laughs> So full time, you you're you're a teacher. Yeah, right? I'm a school teacher. I'm a PE teacher in Brooklyn, and uh, you know I've I've been doing it for 13 years. What kind of like kind of classes? It's a uh, it's a charter school. So is and, it uh, teenagers? Uh, it's uh, yeah. I teach fifth through eighth grade. Okay, which is a really difficult age, but um, it I used to enjoy it more. I don't enjoy it as much only because I'm finding things I enjoy to do that I enjoy doing more than teaching. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it for 13 years, no regrets, but um, I do that during the day, but I'm also opening a brewery in Orange, New Jersey, Four City Brewing, me and my two partners, uh, Jeff Gattens and Anthony Minervino. Um, We just got funded and um, we're now um, looking to sign a lease within a couple of weeks, start to build out the summer. It's going to be in what, Orange? Orange, New Jersey, right next to the Orange train station. So you people will be able is to... Is there Orange, it's Orange, New Jersey, or it's not East? There's there West, is an East Orange. South, so it's o- Orange East is Orange. North? <laughs> I'm assuming, right? I think Orange is North, North Orange, right? Or Orange, South Orange, East Orange, West Orange. Okay. 
Um, and it's funny because the shape of orange is a growler, a growler of beer. If you have to look at the map of it. You're talking to a straight edge guy. I don't Sorry. Know. <laughs> it looks like a bottle of beer, a large bottle okay. of beer. Um, so, um, so yeah, we were lucky enough to partner up with uh, these property developers who, um, you know, people like, oh, property developers, they're, they're evil, gentrification. But um, these guys are all about, uh, they're a double bottom line company. So they're into not only obviously making a profit, but giving back to the community, having programs. Uh, they have a program where they have, uh, they hire former convicts who come out of prison and you know, try to get back on their feet. So these are things we want to get involved in uh, more in the community. So that's what I want my full-time job to be within the next, you know, six to nine months. Um, I mean, so the, the brewery is just going to be beer. It's not going to be any type of food or maybe you said you maybe do food trucks or something. Yeah. Um, so getting a brewer's license, you can brew beer and sell beer on premises. You just can't sell food, um, but you can bring food in. So you can have food delivered. Um, you could cook food at home, bring it in. Uh, we want to partner up with food trucks um, restaurants, you know, other restaurants, nearby restaurants. We want to kind of, you know, because we really want to collaborate, um, and that, and that the food part is, is the best part um, about the whole thing. I mean, what made you want to, you know, start up a brewery I and mean, you're just drinking a lot with buddies and like, <laughs> yeah, basically, well, we should we should do this. <laughs> That's what it is. Craft beer is is an addiction. It's a, it's an illness. It's a sickness. I got bit by it 15 years ago and started a group called the Brew Council, which is basically a group of guys in my living room meeting once a month and bringing craft beer and rating it. So it's fantasy football for beer? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Exactly. <laughs> and we'd have like best IPA night. We'd bring like the best IPAs we could well, find. I'll trade you this one. For... Right. We do beer trades. Exactly. Okay. Um, so it grew if I drank, that sound like would be a, you know appealing, but yeah. I mean, you know, part of it's the drinking part, but yeah. the real part of it is enjoying like any, you know, passion, enjoying the complexity of the beer and the styles anyway. I so, know my uncles used to be like, oh, look at the texture of it when they poured it in. Yeah, and exactly. Like, <laughs> You're like, like can't you guys just drink it? Yeah, you gotta like, you know, <laughs> admire it because it's art in the glass really. So, yeah. um, so I got into craft beer and then we were doing events and uh, me and Anthony primarily were doing uh, beer pairings. We'd pair beers and pair pizza. Then he'd bake pizza. And we're like, you know, we should just open a brewery. You know, why are we talking about it? So Anthony and I started brewing. Sorry, Anthony and I started brewing. <laughs> um, I used the microphone. And then we met Jeff, who he, he home-brewed as well. So we partnered up. And uh, the two of them brew. And I'm the creative director because I, I find brewing the process very boring. But the product and creating it is exciting. And I'm more into the music part the community part. Um, we want to have music events, um, lecture series. You're definitely invited. You're, you're definitely going to be one of the guests coming down oh. to the brew house. Uh, cause I want to have a series kind of like in the brew house with Brian Crumcow and you're going to bring a playlist and talk about your songs and what we you could, do and blah, blah, blah. We could, uh, also do like art gallery type stuff. Well, brewery, I'm, yeah. I'm talking with, uh, a friend of mine, Terry body, who's an artist, a local artist in orange. Uh, he, and, um, about getting, we want to be able to sell art, um, local art uh, in the brew, in the brew house. So we want to partner up with local artists, uh, curate events. Um, there's lots of possibilities, but um, so yeah, that's that's what we're looking to do with the brewery, um, and hopefully sooner rather than later. That sounds very exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, and and I'm a dad. You know, my oldest uh, son Jax is going to college in September, uh, New York Institute of Technology. Nice. 
my younger son Anthony's going to be in eighth grade. Um, you know, my wife Sally's doing well. She's a radiation nurse at the hospital, so we're going to England this summer to visit the family. Oh, I'm so lucky. You're so, yeah. I'm so jealous. <laughs> so we're going to England twice this year, so I'm excited about that. Wow. Well, like, um, do you have dual citizenship for being married? Or uh, My kids do, but I'm an American citizen, and my wife's a British citizen. Oh, okay. So I thought about being a, in order to be a dual citizen, I think I'd have to live there for a little bit for a couple of years. Hey, how would do that in a heartbeat? And you, you know, who knows the future, um, you know, in 10 years time, you know, like I said, my, my folks live in the Southeast of uh, England and Kent. Oh. I'd love to retire or have one of my retirement options to be living on an, you know, orchard. Instead in the of Southeast having of a brewery, you'll have a, a farm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sheep yeah. herders. Right. <laughs> I think I just want to scale it down, you know, scale it down. But hey. first I feel like I've got a lot of work to do with, uh, creating, you know, a cultural hub out in um, New Jersey. You're like me in a way with as far as branching out in several different things. Like doing one thing, it just kind of just gets stale after a while. It's like I did before the concert video series for a while, and now I'm doing a podcast. And, you know, it's, it's part of it is to conquer my fear of talking because like, I'm not, you know, I get nervous you know, really? just talking on the phone. Yeah. Get out of like, here. Like I used to have my brother call up for pizza. Like... <laughs> And now, really? and now, and now, it's I still get that way sometimes. It's like I I love these things called like Grubhub, where like I can just order. I don't need to talk to anybody now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like if if you look at any true artist throughout the history of time, they've always done a lot of different things. You yeah. know, Michelangelo didn't just draw; he did a lot of you know I do prints. T-shirts. I do photography. It's like yeah, it's, I I feel like that's part of uh, challenging yourself. Yeah. You know, um, and 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 I. Sometimes what I see with art artists is that they get stuck feeling like they do one thing. But uh, that's what I love about doing different types of bands, music. Um, yeah, you have to... Art is fluid. It's not static. And I think... And my question for you outside for lunch I want to ask you here is... So the podcast thing, is this something that you... Uh, you did once before and starting again? Or um, you just decided you're going to start doing it? Well, I actually got the idea in my head when you wanted to go talk about oh, talk right. about stuff in the beginning. I'm like, oh, I should just do a podcast because right. I've listened to podcasts for year for years. And then, but my brother and I used to do a college radio show on Ramapo. Okay, um, but he he was mostly a host. I was kind of like the sidekick, you know, making right. wise ass comments. But now it's my turn. So, <laughs> 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 but it, yeah, and just like I like making playlists, and so I mean, the default kind of show will be me making different types of themes of playlists and then just and listen to it. I mean, I'm the, my number one listener. I end up just yeah, yeah. listening to like, I, I want to listen to these, these music in the car. So, and I try to, I try to do like an hour and a half cause that's like my, my commute. Right. But, but I also, I want to talk to people, you know, yeah, yeah. like I listen to all these other people, uh, you know, that do podcasts and I'm like, I could do this shit. Right. And, and I think, look, that's, it's great because, um, you know, I think too many times uh, people just stay in their lane or, or sort of self-imposed lane. And, it's like maybe um, this will be more my focus instead of like writing actual writing stuff on rejunk.com because right. I just like what else can I say about this ska band? Like, oh, this song's I can dance to it. Uh, <laughs> it's got a great beat and I can dance he, to he it. He sings really well. <laughs> <laughs> and other times it's like bands that are completely suck and it's like I don't want to hurt their feelings anymore I mean as much as Adam you know he likes to do the troll baiting stuff where it's like 
<laughs> Fallout Boy is better than than the Beatles, and like I get tons of fucking hate mail for it, and it's like it's funny, and then after a while, it's just like okay, stop, it's just a joke. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and you know, and if the podcast becomes a thing, I mean, and I think that's for me too. That I just let the thing carry me, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, the Rude Boy George thing went pretty hot and heavy for a while, and it's not that it's, uh, you know, stopping, but. You know, we're taking a break. We have new members. We're rehearsing, so we don't have many show shows coming up. So yeah, I was wondering I can, about that because you guys are kind of sporadic, but yeah, because we, you know, we just we have a brand new band. We just need to rehearse and we need to learn new songs with this with the version of this band. Um, Men without hats, Townside <laughs> Andrews. Uh, we're going to be rehearsing pretty much all summer long. Um, I'll between. make I'll make you guys a playlist. You guys yeah, can play. Yeah, it. we'll play it. Um, so in the meantime, you know, Heaven's Bee stuff happens. And, right. I was supposed to ask about that. I forgot. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. There's a lot so of you guys just did covers for something. How did that, like the Red Stripe or something? Yeah. So we did a remix for the Red Stripes out in, um, Hong Kong. Um, Sean Cavo Dinsmore, when I talk about Sean and Lionel and Sean from the Toasters, Sean was one of the lead singers of the Toasters, original lead singers of the Toasters way back in the day, Sean Dinsmore, and he lives out in Hong Kong. He just produced this album for this ska band called the Red Stripes. And they reached out to us like, would you guys want to do a remix for one of our songs? Um, we're just like, sure. Um, we've never done a remix before. So we didn't know. So when we said sure, we really had no idea how we're going to do it, um, which was the fun part and the scary part. So, But we went in the studio and we just said, let's find all the great people that we like to work with. We got James Dylan Tacoma, who we've worked with, um, with Reboy George and and uh you know engineered and helped produce hub city's new album um we got him involved we got pam involved we got jenny involved so just the one song you're doing or? We, we just did it was a one-off song we okay. just remixed it the theme from rocky um and it was a lot of fun to do it was just it was a lot of fun to do and hey then, you haven't done film scoring uh, fil- film score yet you can get into that field yeah you know what i'm saying like <laughs> sure right uh, it was like a project, and we did it. And then so the next thing was specialized. It was time for them to produce a song. And at the time when they asked us to do this Trojan, um, you know, the, the focus of this year's uh, specialized album is, is uh, the Trojan catalog. When they asked us to do it, we didn't have a, we didn't tell them at the time, but we didn't really have a band, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, we're gonna get you something, um, but we don't have a band. So we're like, it's you and Mark. You yeah. guys could be like, like wham, like a two. <laughs> So we're like, how about a Heaven's Bee track? They were like, sure. So we just we did a remix of Honey Boys, The Dark End of the Street, which I personally didn't hear. I've never heard of before. Is that did, is that like widely covered? Because that name sounds familiar. Pat Kelly has Dark End of the Street. I don't know if it's the same version. Not sure, but bef- prior to him, it was uh, Dolly Parton and Linda Ronstadt. Oh, okay. did it. Actually, there was a soul singer named Sam. Oh my gosh, I should know this. All right, that's rule, the, that's, rule number one, come prepared to a podcast. Well, th- that's that's the problem with reggae and rock steady songs. It's like you never know what's original because they cover it. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's so many covers. Um, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to Google it because it's, it's worth the me. Google. Yeah. Dark. And of the, it was a soul singer. Uh, street song. Sorry. This I know Pat Kelly does that, so I don't know if it's the same song. It's just the name's. Same title. Uh, 67 Soul Song. This is Wikipedia, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's quick and dirty. Okay. Uh, soul Song written by Dan Penn and Chips Moman. Recorded by James Carr. 
So James Carr recorded it in 67. Jimmy and Carr does songs too? <laughs> <laughs> and then it was uh, redone by Prince Buster. Did it in 67 as well. Wow. Okay. So Prince Buster did it then. Wow. Okay, I'll have to go look that up. This is, again, according to Wikipedia, so it may not be true. I'm going to go. Uh, Linda Ronstant did it in 74. And where's Dolly? Dolly Parton did it too. Um, anyway. Anyway, yeah. So um, <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole, the Google down the rabbit hole. But um, yeah, James Carr, yeah. So we decided that um, we were going to do it strictly as a dub version. Like we're going to call it dub end of the street and just dub it out. But when I did the guide vocals, um, we thought, you know, maybe we do it as a duet again. Cause I'm, I'm a sucker for duets. I'm sorry. But yeah. Jenny came in and did. And this is why I go back to Jenny again. She came in. She did the harmony of my part. Then a, then the uh, third harmony to both those prior parts. Like, I'll just be sitting over here. You can finish the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and then did this amazing solo over it. And then did these other, like, she just took it to another level. Um, so um, so that's what we just sent to Specialize. And we're sorry, guys, it was late. It was So they're waiting on that. Sliders. But we, we got it to him last Friday. So hopefully you guys like it. So when does that come out? This summer. Okay. This summer. And then in November is kind of like a celebration of that. Um, so that that's our show um, in November. So that'll be fun to see all the other acts on the uh, on the compilation playing along with us. Okay. Um, all right. So we're gonna wind up, but first we're gonna play a game of trivia. Uh oh. <laughs> and you probably you could probably guess what it's gonna be about. Uh, tennis. No, it's gonna be <laughs> Goldblum trivia. Go- oh no. <laughs> All multiple, right. Multiple choice. Multiple choice. Okay, okay, cool. Wait, I'm going to do a theme song. So here's a the theme song. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh. Oh. Uh, uh, life uh, finds a way. What are we waiting for? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Question number one. Yes. What was Jeff Goldblum's highest grossest film at the box office? Oof. Independence Day. Jurassic Park, Thor Ragnarok, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. I'm going to say Jurassic Park. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. (laughs) Okay, question number two. Complete this movie quote. That is one big pile of shoes, shit, sand, or crap. It was a PG-13 movie, so I'm going to say crap. Oh, no. It was shit. <laughs> Should have went with the first. Impl- that was that was a trick question. Trick question. I was going with that, but I think it was P. Wasn't it a PG movie? You could say it shit. was PG thirteen, but, but you could say shit. In the P- okay, yeah. Darn it! You can say a lot of stuff in PG thirteens now. Yeah, which is anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Besides being an awesome actor, he's also a an amazing musician. What instrument does he play? Is it piano, saxophone? Flute or guitar? Oh, I don't know this one. He plays an instrument? He's coming out with an, a jazz album. I'm going to say guitar. Ooh, no. Oh, no. It was piano. Oh. <laughs> Man. I should have warned you before. You should have warned me. I, like, I, you better read up some Jeff Goldblum Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, I will. That's okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. I don't know if you saw this movie. What color was Jeff Goldblum's character in Earth Girls Are Easy? Green. 
Yellow, blue, red, or green? Green. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. He was yellow? <laughs> he was blue. <laughs> really? Who was yellow? I, Damon Wayans? Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey was red, right? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was definitely blue. Really? Yeah. Who was yellow? Damon Wayans was yellow, I think. Yeah. Darn it. I thought I, I knew that one for sure. I All haven't right. seen that movie in a while. Great movie. Okay, last question. All right. In Independence Day, what did his character David do for a living before the alien invasion? Was he a jazz musician? Are you looking it up on Google right now? I'm not looking <laughs> it up on Google. Science teacher, satellite technician, or White House advisor? White House advisor. Oh, man, you're bad at this. <laughs> Satellite technician. <laughs> it's, fair, it's fair to say I know nothing about Goldblum. I think Adam's going to be very disappointed. Yeah, he, he, he will. Adam, I, I deeply apologize. I'll brush up on my I Google. don't know if I'll ask Goldblum trivia for everybody, but I figured this would be a fun one to end it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week with some new music, I believe. Uh it was great having you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks for being the first guest on the Rejunk Podcast. My yeah. pleasure. Enjoy. All right, bye-bye. Bye.